Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of Can of Worms, the show where we, every episode, we open a can of worms and talk about some interesting stuff that you might like to hear. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm Cambria. And I'm Oliver. How was your day? How have you been? Pretty good. I have been getting super reasonable amounts of sleep and waking up at a super reasonable time. What does that mean? <laughs> it, means, it means the opposite. I, I've been like staying up till like three doing everything and also nothing. But it's all right, because I didn't have classes today except for this. Oh, nice. So, you know, got a little easy morning. Yeah, neither did I. My dog fell up my stairs. So I'm, go- I'm guessing they <laughs> ran super so fast up I, the You stairs. guys don't know this because you haven't been in my house, but I live um, in the attic of my house that's Ooh, been like turned into like a loft kind of that's thing. Cool. It's kind of fun. Um, it, it, I don't have a door because my room also goes down into my Ooh. mom's room. We're roommates. It's very cool. It's, it, there's a lot with the family dynamic. Don't worry about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but because of that, I have I have stairs, quote unquote stairs um, for my room, but it's classified as a ladder because it's so steep. Ooh, oh, man. you know, and so and yeah, my dog, he's able to climb up the stairs, but he can't get down them because they're too steep for him to go down. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but he'll climb up them. And so I, I hear him. There's a vacuum cleaner going on in my house this morning, and I heard it. And he does not like vacuum cleaners, as most dogs don't. And I heard him, like, clacking around, being afraid. And I said, Copper, come on up my stairs, as I do. Like, this is a common occurrence. And so he, I hear the clack, 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 And then I hear <laughs> I had to I, I had to then carry him up the rest of the way. Mm. And now he's fine. Okay. So now that you know about my dog, today I thought we'd talk about a little thing called Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game, um, or RPG. That's a term that we will use throughout the episode. Um, basically, based around like dice and collaboration. So a group of people sitting around a table telling a story, like creating a narrative together. Are you familiar with it? I'm somewhat familiar. Yeah. I've done like one night of D&D at my uncle's house, and I was a gnome, I believe, <laughs> named Oryx. And I'm trying to remember exactly what we did. There was like a pyramid involved and some magic, <laughs> but that's the extent. How familiar are you? I'm, I'm really familiar. I'm very familiar. I, I run a game with my brother and our friends, or I, I ran a game for a while. Recently, it came to an end. No, oh, no. Which is, well, it came to an end in a good way. Like, like our campaign came to a, a story-wise, it's close. Which usually is, it doesn't happen. Usually campaigns just end because we just stop playing, but luckily it was because it was the story came together. Um, and now we're gearing up to start a new campaign that's actually like thousands of years later after this one Ooh. like like time has passed so like a little it was a little prequel series for the, for this one that's which, exciting. which was really fun some new character sheets new character sheets new world um that they ended up helping build so it was it's a good time anyway so what i really wanted to like look at for this episode is like how D got to what it is today um what it's like what the scene is here specifically in like utah and salt lake um why people care so much and so I did some digging. Um, do you know like where everything, where it all started? The whole D and D universe. Yeah. Do you do you know? Yeah. Do you know the beginning of D and D? No. <laughs> I'm ready to. I'm ready to learn. I I found that everyone I ask either they know exactly the names and the date or they don't know anything at all. I would say I don't know anything at all. I I also didn't know anything at all because I'm definitely one of like yeah I like this game very cool I don't need to know history who needs history of it anyway I found out the history um, basically once upon a time. Um, there were two guys, one called Gary Gygax, yes, that's a real name, and Dave Arneson, um, who envisioned a game that revolved completely around rolling dice and like theater of the mind rather than a classic board game. Um, 
And this very first edition was published in 1974. So, you know, like a relatively new new, new game. It hasn't been around for a, like a, a while, but not like a whole long time, as long as like other games have been yeah. classically. Um, and so there's a lot of like publishing stuff. So the first company that published it was called Tactical Studies Rules, which is really flows off the tongue. Um, and that was a company that this guy, Gary Gygax, like co-founded in order to publish D&D. Like he, he wanted it to be published and so he made a company. Um, and the company went through some like rough patches with ownership publishing and like bankruptcy until it was sold to Wizards of the Coast in 1997. Um, and Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro and they still own it today. Mm. So basically, that's a little publishing history that no one really cares about, but I thought it was kind of neat how many iterations it went through. Yeah. Um, but all those logistics aside, the first iteration was like super bare bones. Like, I bet even what you've played was like more complicated, more more thorough than than what the very first iteration of it. So there was three like character class options of like what you could do, like a fighter, a mage, and a healer. So like stabby, stabby you cast magic or you heal people. It's very, very straightforward. Like those were the three main. Um, and there was like four character race options. You could be a human, you could be a dwarf, you could be elf, and you could be um, halfling. Okay. So like th- that was it. That was like basically the whole thing. So a race is kind of like the type of character are like a human or a dwarf. Mm-hmm. And then a class is like your yeah, so, job. Yeah, race is what your character is. <laughs> And class is what your character does. Okay, okay. So if you're a human fighter, you're just some guy who is really good with a sword. Or if you're a dwarf, you know, classic, like, Tolkien, like, fantasy dwarf kind of thing. All of these, like, very basic, like, high fantasy stuff. And then, yeah, so you could either be a fighter, you could either be a mage, or you could be a healer in any combination. Okay. Um, But still, the entire thing was, like, fully surrounded by dice. That's the one thing that has persisted all the way through. Um, And just, like, pretty basic all around like any first draft was because um, they were just trying to get their main idea out of there um, and along with the bumps that came with the first draft um, like I said with like Tolkien um, there was some Lord of the Rings backlash oh no oh yeah there was some drama because a lot of the terminology in the game were words that Lord of the Rings had like coined in their movies right um, the most notable being hobbits like halflings like I mentioned before um, the very they first, used to be hobbits they used to be called hobbits um, Og- ogres orcs Orcs was one of the lists. Was one on the list, but yeah. So did like, Tolkien invent orcs? No, 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 no. no, no did no. not. These are lots of like classic fantasy stuff that told like yeah. So Lord of the Rings like did backlash from some of these terminologies. The only ones that they were able to actually win, like win over and had forced like it to change in D and D, were hobbits, which turned into okay. halflings, ants, or like the big tree people, which turned into tree ants. Tree ants. However you want to say it. Like, you can I, be I an heard, in They really Dragons. put tree in front well, of it. It's, it's, you. you <laughs> Yes, if you are playing that kind of game, but also that's more like a monster that you'll face, um, where you just face a big tree guy. That's cool. Though. But it depends on your DM. Maybe I like I would for sure run a game where you're just all a bunch of trees. I would love that. I think that would be a fun time. What's a um, DM? Oh, thank you, executive producer. So the DM is the dungeon master, a person who runs the game, also known as like the game master. Basically, this is the person who is in charge. So that's what you usually are. That's what I usually am. Yes. Do you care that you're never playing characters? Um, I started playing. Um, as a character, like, my first time was with, like, my family. My dad ran the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second that I figured out, like, oh, I can do whatever I want with this, I was like, I, wanna, <laughs> I, I have a story idea. And so that was my first. And I've never really gone back since. Okay. Like, yeah. I do have lots of character ideas that I'll never get to play. But, well, maybe one day it'll happen. It'll be great. Yeah. Anyway, the last one that they had to change was the Balrog. So if you don't know, in Lord of the Rings, the Balrog is the guy that Gandalf fights. He's like, you shall not pass. You know, that big, Mm. yeah, yeah. That big basic demon monster. 
that guy was turned into Baylor, which just another kind of like demon in the game. You know, so those were the three uh, phrases that they had to change due to Lord of the Rings being like, hey, don't do that. That's our thing. And so now it's halflings and treants and Baylor. And that was that. That was the whole thing. Um, but if we're talking about the history, we simply, like, we cannot talk about it without mentioning a little bit of Satanic Panic. Are Ooh. you, like, are you familiar? <laughs> I'm not familiar with Satanic Panic. Um, so as the name suggests, it was, like, this moral panic that people had about, like, Satanic and devil rituals in the 70s and 80s. Um, basically the belief that cultists and evil were lurking about trying to, like, lure people to the devil and do evil acts, you know? Okay, so how does this have to do with D&D? Well, I'm so glad you asked because um, these ideas were more often like perpetuated by like Christian denominations, um, mm-hmm. particularly like fundamental Christians who played a large part in fostering the fear around these evil happenings. But the reason that it's connected to D&D um, is actually a fun like little little roller coaster ride, which I'll tell you. So, Ooh. yeah, because it's not like... <laughs> D&D is not the cause of this phenomenon at all. Like, D&D is, in fact, this is, the, the way that this is connected to the history of D&D is that it's not at all to do with D&D, really. Um, it's that D&D got, like, swept up in this moral panic as, like, a, a focus or, like, something to blame. So, like, what really egged it on, this satanic panic, was the sudden rise in serial killers mm. in the 70s and 80s. Who so that's what started, sorry. To, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. It, like, like people, like, serial killers started, like, popping up more and more. Um, who, especially, I wonder why in the 70s. Especially people who... Ooh, there's so many theories. This is, there's, there's a lot of theories about that, but that's for another episode. Um, but, but specifically serial killers who specialize in, like, hiding in the shadows and, like, blending in among a crowd. Is this a D&D or a serial killer? A serial killer thing. Okay. That's a serial killer thing. <laughs> I don't know if this yeah, is like a monster. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that the serial killers alone, but it was also the way that they're being like broadcast. Like, so suddenly people were getting all of this news of all of these different serial killers all across the U.S. from everywhere else. So everyone was seeing all of these things happen. And, you know, the news loves a serial killer because that's mm-hmm. just good publicity. And publicity. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so people were seeing all these things and it was all over the place. And so it like really put into challenge this like beautiful white pick of American life where everyone's like, oh no, murder is bad. Mm. I can't believe all of this is happening. It um, must be the D&D. It must be the D&D, <laughs> exactly. Um, Cause like, you know, people were just looking for something to blame. But this was also happening here in Utah. Um, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with a guy named Ted Bundy? Oh yes. Yeah, so he, he was among many others, like right there in like the crux of it all with all of that innocent charm in murder, mm-hmm. which is bad. I guess a girl at the high school I went at got Abducted by Ted Bundy in like the fifth, seventies. Seventies. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you went, went to high school. Not, not that I went to high school with, but they went to the same high school. Oh, I thought oh. you were saying. Oh, yeah, I know a girl. <laughs> who I went to. Like, are you immortal? <laughs> I went to high school with this girl in the 70s. Their parents or, like, her? No, no. I just know that there was a girl that went to the same high school. Oh, so you don't know this person? No. You just went to the same high school? I just went to the same high school. Okay. We go to the same school as Ted Bundy, too, technically. That's a really removed claim to fame. Yeah. No, it's not a claim to fame, but (laughs) I'm aware of Ted Bundy. And, yeah, I guess he went to law school here, too. He did. And uh, there's a place of Immigration Canyon that people were like, this is where Ted Bundy took people. Oh, yeah. That's true. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many we, people have We been went there. on, like, a full moon night at, like, 1 yeah. in the morning. How'd it scary. go? Was it did you get murdered? No. <laughs> but it's scary. Like, you go into this little basement, and you're like, if this really... It's very... That's messed up. Yeah. yeah. It's like a high school thing. Cases yeah. hasn't been pushed upon yet. Uh, murder is bad, you guys. Don't do that. Yep. Super messed up. Not a fan. Anyway, so along, like, he was obviously the most popular one, especially here in Utah, mm. um, of 
like who are especially like oh yeah the charm and blending in a like, like infamous is the better infamous. word yeah, infamous yeah. is the better word but like well, most well known like if you say the word Ted Bundy people know who you're talking about like, yeah Zach Afron Zach Efron. Zach Afron honestly Zac Efron. his portrayal was kind of mid I'm not gonna lie I watched that movie hot take by producer that movie was mid hot take I didn't was I didn't watch the movie so honestly I don't have an opinion. What was the other one? Was there another one? High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> no, another Ted Bundy movie. I guess there was a Ted Bundy tapes. Which yeah, that was good. a documentary, though. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. I watched that. Um, so along with him here in Utah was the case of Joyce Yost, um, who he did, like, whose remains are, like, still missing because of this really just horrible person named Douglas Lovell from, like, South Ogden. So all these bad things are happening. And also Mark Hoffman. Do you know anything about... Mark Hoffman. I watched the beginning of that documentary on Netflix, but I got bored. But yeah, like the forgeries. <laughs> yeah, forgeries, bombings. And there was an explosion, yeah. Yeah, bombings and murders like within like the LDS church. But so all this is satanic panic in Utah. Yes. Yeah, so so this is to say, not like them doing this is like satanic rituals, not necessarily, but all of this was happening. And so all of this civil unrest and unsurety in like people's lives, like they were looking for like something and anything to like put blame on this. Like why is all of this stuff like to them suddenly popping up and suddenly happening? Because now we know about it because, you know, brought is being broadcast, there's news, you live in these places. Um, and so they're looking for this thing to blame. Um, and what was conveniently there was a brand new game that involved demons, witchcraft, mm. rituals, and magic, you know? So Dungeons and Dragons. And people like to blame like new and unfamiliar things like, mm. The when the radio came on, everyone was like, "Oh, don't listen to that radio; it'll melt your brain." And then TV happened. Don't listen to TV; it'll melt your brain. You know, like so, like mm. it, it's just new things, right? Is what people like to blame. The it's, dice were controlling them. The dice are the devil. Yeah, exactly. The dice are the devil. The devil's in the details, and the details are the dice. Um, but it didn't Ooh. help. Yeah, it, it also didn't help that like <laughs> along with some of this unrest, there were other things happened with like people who did murders or like satanic rituals, quote unquote, mm. who also happened to play the game or like had connections to this. And so people took those very few cases and decided to like, oh, that's the reason why. So we're gonna, like not everyone of course yeah. was like, hey, this is an evil, evil, bad game. But lots of people were like, I'm not sure I want my children to be messing with all of that because it seems to be fostering like this evil thing and you're like fighting demons and stuff. And so mm. there's a lot, there's a lot there. Role um, play? Yeah, so it's so, yes, exactly. Role playing, <laughs> improv, dice, what is this? Um, so it's not necessarily like DD did not cause it at all, but it got swept up in the wave that created like all of this misconception about, about it. Um, that if you've played, you know are untrue. Like you're not doing devil worship. You're just, you're just rolling dice and having a good time. We're going back to Wizards of the Coast, who, of course, own the publishing rights to DD, which is Hasbro. Which are owned by Hasbro. Like, Wizards that, of the Coast is like a subsect within it. Is within that a Hasbro. candy company too? That's, no. It's a toy company. Haribo. Haribo. Okay. Haribo. Haribo? Haribo. Haribo. Do they sell just, a bag of just the Cokes? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Just the Cokes. <laughs> Those are good. Okay, so Hasbro is a uh, toy company. It's like the parent company, and then within them is Wizards of the Coast. Which is all D&D? Which is like gaming, game okay. system. So they don't only publish D&D, they also do like Magic the Gathering and all sorts of other mm. systems. Um, but that's not what this episode is about. So basically, um, they started doing what they were meant to do, which is publishing the game. Um, and in 2000, they released what was called Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition. Okay. Um, which started to incorporate some of like the more familiar like gameplay mechanics and aspects that we know today. And then um, in 2012, they started playtesting the fifth edition, 
which is like they're sending it out to people and then giving it and then they finally like actually officially release it in 2014 um, and that's the most current edition that we have today of just like classic Dungeons and Dragons is fifth edition um, which isn't to say that like if you play any of the other ones you are like it's bad for any reason it's just different versions of the game so uh, like, there's lots of people who play third edition instead of oh, fifth really? edition yeah it, it's really just like the kind of gameplay that you like I want to be that kind of person that only plays the third edition the very first and edition. the next time I come to a a D and D game, I'm like, ooh, I'm not a fifth edition guy. I'm not a fifth edition guy. You're you're cooler because you have different rules. <laughs> we're back. We're 2023. We're back. It's 2023, and we're playing the fifth edition of D and D. So true. Anyway, so it's so it's got everyone's chilled out, and it's gotten way more popular because, like, in fact, like most people are even like familiar with the game or have played or know someone who has played or Stranger Things or. Are from, know that Stranger Things exist and they watched that um, and said wow that's Dungeons and Dragons so like people recognize what the game is um, so what one thing I want to talk about was uh, why this happened um, well and one thing you know people embody what they see you know monkey see monkey do um, and D&D made it into like this wide range of popular media like Stranger Things like you just said which you know being so incredibly popular where everyone, everyone was like wow that's cool I want to do that all the main characters are playing, um, all of the cool things, they're playing characters, they're rolling dice, everyone's like, that looks so neat, and I want to be what my characters are, and so they do that. Um, and it was such a phenomenon that suddenly, like, incredibly huge audience that wouldn't usually get access to, like, D&D and through other means was like, oh, maybe I want to check that out. Um, and I was able to interview one of the news writers here at the Daily Utah Chronicle about his experience with D&D. My name is uh, Kaelin Roberts. I'm a news writer um, with the Daily Utah Chronicle. I actually, I started playing D&D originally because of Stranger Things. I think I like it a little too much. Play D&D, it's cool. And beyond just television, people began streaming their D&D games online. Um, the most popular of which being Critical Role. Have you ever heard of Critical Role? Is it a YouTube channel? It's a YouTube channel, it's also a Twitch channel. No. Um, and it's the most successful, like ever, popular streamed D&D game in the world. Okay. Like, like just full stop. They, they make a lot of, like, it's the most popular. They make a lot of money. Do they have um, celebrities come on? They do. They There are a group of voice actors who do it, um, and they occasionally have other voice actors. So if you are familiar with, like, voice actors and, and all the characters that they voice, if you go on and listen to them and you've, like, seen some of their work, you're like, oh, I know who these people are. It's, it's actually kind of fun. Oh, cool. Do, are um, you familiar with lots of voice actors? I am, because what? I watch Critical Role. Oh, okay, cool. And I just, yeah, voice acting is is very fa- fascinating thing that I'm very interested in. So usually most times if I'm, I'm watching some sort of like media and there's voice actors involved like video games or animation, I'm like, who's voicing these people? Critical Role <laughs> started streaming in 2015. Okay. So this is like right after fifth edition was being released um, and they started like streaming on Twitch, like they started like live streaming it mm. in 2015. Um, and now have gone on to create like their own animated series based off of their first campaign. Um, and like like they have like are on their third one right now. There's like thousands of hours of content. And so only their third campaign. Only their their third campaign. So like their first campaign had 115 episodes, each oh of which ranged from three to six hours long. <laughs> like it's it's a ton of content. D and D games just take that long. And so they because they are voice actors and they care about their storytelling they have like a very well built world and they have characters that have arcs and they like like romance each other like they have like story arcs and individual stuff they all play like it's really really interesting and cool um, and so because all of these really talented people were playing on these games 
their popularity like suddenly skyrocketed like fully like that level of popularity like along with all of their new mediums especially with their animated series that has just come out like they are have funded their own animated series based on their first wow. campaign like and creates this whole new range of audience that then brings in more people who have now access to all of this stuff so again like it's bringing like all of these people into the fold um and we also talked to some of our local University of Utah D&D players. Um, my name's Preston. I am the president of the D&D and Stuff Club here at the U and uh, community director of Crimson Gaming. And I'm Evan. I'm the vice president of the Dungeons and Dragons and Stuff Club here at the university. So Preston talked about how Critical Role was one of the first D&D experiences he's had um, and it made him want to play the game of his own, which is, you know, a, a popular phenomenon, especially with you know, critical role being what it is. When I, like many of us do, get our wisdom teeth removed at some <laughs> point, I was just incapacitated for an extended period of time. Uh, YouTube recommended critical role to me. Mm-hmm. So then I started watching that. I was like, no, this is too long. But when I was incapacitated, then I was like, <laughs> I need something to do for hours on end. And then I just started watching critical role and it's just been on ever since. <laughs> Something about the stories that people are telling in Acquisitions Incorporated and in Critical Role just drew me in, and I wanted to have that inner player experience and kind of foster that magic circle in a way. Critical Role is by far from like the only, only one. Um, Dimension Twenty is another one. High Rollers, Dungeons and Daddies, The Adventure Zone, and like there's Dungeons many and others. Daddies. Yeah, it, it's all just different people telling a bunch of stories. There is a ton. What's Dungeons and Daddies like? Pretty good. I. I've heard that it's very good. I have not listened to that one myself. Okay. Is it like a podcast? It's, it's, so usually it is in podcast form, but it's also streamer. You can watch them all. Oh, cool. Like on their, on your little screen. But yeah, there's all sorts of like stream D&D content out there. And it's stuff like this that makes people like one, aware and two, interested in it. Is it a hard thing to get into? <laughs> you know? If you're getting into uh, just watching, that can be, like, if you're watching Critical Role, you're, like, watching one episode is, like, three hours. Mm. So, you know, that can be hard to get into unless you have time to spare or if you like listening to stuff while you're doing other stuff. Mm. But um, the next step is up to people. Like, not everyone who listens wants to play. Not everyone wants to Like, D&D is not everyone's game. Just, mm. like, like all games. Like, not everyone's going to enjoy it. But I think everyone should try it out at least once because I think it's a great time. Anyway, with all this talk of popularity, you would think that there would be, like, tons of places and people, like, to go to to get resources and start playing on their own. And there are. What? Yes. Surprise! One fun fact that I found while doing research on this is like, did you know that Utah is actually the state in the U.S. where D&D is the most played? Really? Yeah! I was like, wow, how That's apropos really cool. to this episode. <laughs> I was like, what a convenient, fun fact. How did you from, find that out? I Googled it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I said, this is a fun fact that might be cool. And it was Utah. Anyway, let's talk about all the places we found. Um, yes, so one please. of the coolest places um, is called The Legendarium. Mm. which is a place that um, we went and visited and were able to talk to the owner. Um, and it's just basically this local spot in a small business like down near Liberty Park where you're able to um, just check it out. And it's like this cool little bookstore slash D&D shop slash also a cafe. What? Yeah. So like, yeah, it, it has really, really cool like individual like drinks, like tea and coffee that they put together. And it's really, really cool. It's a fantastic place to start if you're looking for like a chill place where you can just 
hang out. And we were actually able to interview a couple of the regulars um, about like their experience. They've been with the Legendarium like almost since it opened last year in August. So it's a pretty recent, pretty new little spot that has like come a long way. Like so many people are there all the time. Um, so that's just one spot. So really cool spot. But we also learned about like game stores like Game Night Games, Haster Games, and Oasis Games, which Preston and Evan also recommended. I know Oasis Games is uh, close by and a lot of people uh, go down there for um, tabletop gaming things. And speaking of those two, um, like they mentioned before, um, they're the president and vice president of the University of Utah's our very own D&D club called Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. Yeah, so we basically think of ourselves as the hub for everything tabletop gaming at the U, um, or tabletop role-playing game. Um, We uh, help people get into campaigns and find groups with each other and also run several events throughout the year that help facilitate um, community and tabletop role-playing gaming. Um, We're mostly on the university's Campus Connect website. That's the hub for all club stuff at the U, and we also are on the Crimson Gaming Discord. <laughs> Students here don't have to go very far at all to like try it out at the U. Um, and if fantasy isn't your cup of tea, so to speak, um, there are also tons of other kinds of RPG role-playing game modules for like all sorts of preferences and genres. D&D is always a good time, but other systems are also super interesting. What is your favorite of the other hundreds of systems that there are? My favorite currently that I've tried is Masks and uh, Masks the New Generation. It's a system which basically it's for telling the story of teenage superheroes. For instance, there's a mini RPG called Honey Heist, which is just Love you're it. all bears stealing mm-hmm. honey. I'll throw in Dread as well, mm-hmm. which is basically a horror game where. If you were, if players try to do anything that could possibly fail, they have to pull a block from a Jenga tower, <laughs> and basically the tower represents the dread that the party's facing. And if you knock the tower over, then your player character's dead. If you're looking for horror, Delta Green and Call of Cthulhu are great places to start. You don't even necessarily need to run like cosmic horror in them. They're just good, relatively simple to learn uh, games for playing squishy humans in a world full of very scary things that will kill you dead. To name an indie darling that is very, that is weird and strange, and I think more people should try it, is Ten Candles, which has a very interesting gimmick that you should play it by candlelight, because Ooh. it is a it's kind of a depressing game about characters at the end of the world who are about to face their doom. So very like The Road by Cormac McCarthy or mm-hmm. The Mist or uh, by Stephen King, something like that. I just had to throw that out there because it represents the the weird indie space that I have a, a deep affection for, even if I don't play those games very often. Um, kind of helps show the breadth of variety that there is. So obviously there's a ton of stuff for people, um, but what I really wanted to get into as like our final cool thing that we were exploring um, is like why. So everyone and their dog is like playing D&D. What makes it stand out and what makes people stay? So I think it's it's been a good yeah good outlet for creativity. Yeah. It helps me like connect to different people because I don't have a lot of similar interests as a lot of people. This is one of those things where I'm like oh, I have something in common with so many people. So um, it definitely helps confidence. It helps people feel comfortable in their own 
uh, skin and help people find out um, what works for them, basically, I guess. Just like a mini world that no one else really knows. <laughs> um, and so it's a lot of so it's a lot of fun to see different kinds of people engaging in the same hobby for different reasons, but still having fun together doing it. I didn't. I don't think I realized how how much freedom you have in D and D. I thought. I think mm -hmm. I thought it was a lot more rigid, like a board game type thing. And speaking of all that inclusivity, the RPG scene really creates like a very like beautiful and safe environment, particularly for the queer community, like we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, and our interviewees once again agreed with us. So, as a queer man, uh, tabletop RPGs were one of the first mediums where I felt like comfortable expressing that side of myself. Mm -hmm. And not in the sense of, you know, not, not in the sense of doing anything inappropriate, but just, you know, the simple act of existing as a queer person in the world. But it is an interesting and safe way to, like, try on different identities and explore different, you know, different ways of being and different ways of thinking. And I found that very rewarding. Like, my, my first, like, quote-unquote experience with dating another another man was in actually a masks game where my character just went on a date and I was like I have no idea what I'm doing I'd never did this in high school and as a result when you know I went on and did that in real life it was a lot less scary to me because I was like oh I've I've had these sorts of conversations before I've acted this out so um a channel for me to explore my gender identity which is like that that's like the main thing that I've really discovered through D&D &D, which is very interesting to me it was so funny. So I, I was like, you know, I really need to get into the queer community more because I'm understanding my identity deeper and deeper, but still don't have that support. Mm -hmm. And um, so I joined the DC. It's literally DC queers. I was I like, good enough. But um, somebody posted about a D and D game and just to gauge interest, mm -hmm. and I was like. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my, those are my people, right? This is also kind of before I really was constantly just being like, yeah, I'm queer and those are my people. This is still like, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm trans, but kind of thing. Um, and it's so funny. So I signed up to join this club, this group. Never met a single person in it. I'm, I'm so anxious going up to the first session because I'm like, it's going to be a bunch of 19 year olds and I'm not going to know anything that's going on because they're going to be so young and they're going to be so hip and queer and I'm not going to know any, any of the terminology and I show up and we're all 28, 29, 30 all non-binary in oh different shades basically and it was just like I came in and the first five sessions I left like crying of happiness because like I'd never been so like connected to people so instantly in that way yeah. I also think it's just really an accepting community Um. yeah so there's just nothing like it. Um, it's the community, it's the inclusivity, the safe space, the creativity. Um, people who are unfamiliar with the game ask all the time. It's like the, one of the first things that they ask um, if you can win D&D. But to me, winning means that like, you have fun. A good time. you're having a good time and you want to play again. And honestly, take that into your day. Seriously. You know? Yeah. If you're having a good time, you're winning. You're winning. I was playing Catan once and it all seemed Catan. to go out the window. I not going to lie to you. Yeah, I didn't like it after that. Um, but yeah, so huge thanks to all the people that we were able to interview. Jonathan, Evan, Steph, uh, we were able to talk to, Rick and Shauna. Thank you for my bosses who are sitting in this room. Uh, executive producer Thea and producer Al. Very cool, very good at the jobs. Also, Ollie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me today. So, dear audience, 
like tell us what you think. The next episode is gonna be about burritos. And we're gonna try a lot of burritos. I'm really excited for that. Cause yeah. I think I get to try burritos, right? You do yeah, still have you do get to try burritos. Cool. Well, anyways, we'll see you next time. Once again, I'm Cambria. And I'm Ollie. And this has been Can of Worms. Ow.